more than 100 unique styles of beer, each with their own set of ingredients, process, guidelines, history, and experience. If you're a beer lover, an industry leader, or somewhere in between, a better knowledge of beer style will improve your life and your work. Welcome to A Sense of Beer Style, essential beer style training for those who want to lead in food and beverage. I'm Julia Herz. And I'm Jeremy Storton. We're advanced Cicerones, beer judges, home brewers, and we're excited to guide you through the vast and wonderful world of beer styles. Well, Julia, we're back again, and we're talking about uh, one of the historical beers that, um, that, that I love, uh, but this has a really unique and interesting history. I guess it's not all that unique. Um, we're talking about today, we're talking about the Vienna Lager. And uh, back in the early 1840s, there was, I don't want to call it a race, but it, there was kind of a somewhat of a race to develop what became the uh, Czech Pilsner, what became the uh, the, Hella, the Munich Hellas, and also Vienna was also vying for this light beer. And there's a lot of cultural significance to why it happened during that time and the glassware and the and the technology that happened. It's a fascinating story that we will not tell right now in its entirety uh, for the sake of brevity, of course. But uh, in the early 1800s, uh, I'm, I'm going to kind of double check my notes, but Anton Dreher uh, in Vienna helped create this um, this uh, this kind of multi, uh, not pale style, but a multi easy drinking style known as the Vienna Lager. Um, and so his contemporaries are the Municalis and the uh, Czech Pilsner. The thing that I find extra fascinating about this is by all accounts and uh, discussions that I've had with people is this is not as common of a beer style in Vienna or Austria as it once was. Now uh, you can find this particularly amongst craft brewers, home brewers, and most uh, most evidently through uh, Mexican uh, lagers. Uh, this is where the Vienna beer style really uh, kind of came out uh, and became its own little sub sub style. Uh, but uh, it's just a, kind of a fascinating story of how this beer came to be and where it's gone it, it's you know you know me i love a good story and this is a great story it is it's a great style you keep keep it going because why it ended up in mexico from vienna austria is beyond me and and frankly one of the main commercial styles that's out there isn't truly in mexico very indicative of the austrian versions yeah well and and you know as the immigrants from Germany came to the u s and brought their beer, but they couldn't find the same ingredients, so they come up with new ingredients and that became American lager uh there were a lot of Austrian immigrants that found their way to Mexico, and of course, you want to bring a little bit of home with you a k a the beer uh and that really uh kind of launched the beer scene in Mexico uh from you know as far as what we think of Mexican beer now really traces its roots back to these uh, Austrian uh, brewers. Uh, and, and so that's just the, a fun little tidbit about the style. But, uh, the, but this, the style, we still see it fairly often, particularly craft brewers, like I mentioned. Uh, and Mexican lagers have changed somewhat. They've become more adjunct laden. So they're not as true to their roots as they once were. But the, the history is there. The ancestry is there. But, uh, but uh, it, with all the contemporaries uh, of the beer, it, it's still relevant. It's still important to know. It's still important to taste. 
and and we still see it pretty often. And so it's fairly uh, reasonable to uh, find them. Um, but let's talk about this beer a little bit more. Let's, you know, uh, Julia, let's start with the ingredients. What do you expect to find in this uh, Vienna lager? Yeah, and I'll say the ingredients and this classic beer style really inspired the amber lager movement. And the amber lager movement includes everything from Dos Equis in Mexico to uh, Sam Adams Boston lager. Look at Brooklyn lager. These are darker colored lagers with some influence um, from uh, some umph. And, and, and what I just named are not, in my view, truly classic examples of the amber lager, but we are talking about Vienna lager from Beer Judge Certification Program guidelines under the amber bitter European beer category. So ingredients that get us to that amber and bitter aspect, and then the color that Jeremy's gonna talk about in a moment, uh, really come from Vienna malt, as in Vienna, Austria. Vienna malt, also often paired with maybe Munich malt and or some Pilsner malt, uh, are really going to bring to the table a low-level toasted bread crust. Think putting your pizza into the brick oven and the edge of that bread crust just getting slightly more tinged and singed than the middle part of that pizza. Um, that's the essence of Vienna malt, and that's truly what this beer is about. So you're going to have those malts, Vienna, Pilsner, Munich, um, and then continental hops, meaning from kind of the European style hops. And they're going to bring some bitterness to the table, but not discerning bracing bitterness. You're going to have your traditional German lager yeast because in Vienna they were influenced by the German lagers. Um, and then small amounts of specialty malts that might add color or sweetness. But it's a pretty, actually, it's a very approachable beer, uh, medium, lower level alcohol and truly sessionable. And this is a beer that pairs so well with so many foods. And so with that, Jeremy, and looking at it, I'm already thirsty. Tell me about what we should know classically based on the style guidelines for appearance. Yeah, first, you know, kind of give shout outs where I can. Uh, if you're watching this, you can see um, uh, you can see the can. This is a Shades Brewing from uh, uh, Salt Lake City, Utah. Uh, and they make some really uh, fun, interesting beers. This is their Vienna Lager. Um, but this is not the, you know, the, I don't even know necessarily what exactly would be the typical iconic anymore because it's, you know, that's a different story. We'll talk about that in, in a minute, but, um, but this does uh, kind of show this color and that's where this really comes out with those ingredients and especially that uh, Vienna malt that, uh, that you talked about, you get this beautiful kind of like a reddish amber, very copper kind of colored beer. There's some orange, like burnt orange, burnt pumpkin type of uh, uh, kind of coloring to it as well sometimes, uh, but it should never be overtly orange. It should never be brown, but it should stay within that that range of like amber copper. A, a typical version that I expect to see when it's done according to the BJCB guidelines it should have just really, really, really bright clarity. It should be clear, see-through. You should be able to read a book from uh, behind the glass. Um, and this one it does not have a uh, large persistent off-white head, but uh, I, I would expect to see just a really good uh, rocky foam uh, at the top of the glass as well. Um, but this is, uh, you know, when I look at this color, I'm already starting to make uh, conclusions about what I'm going to smell, what I'm going to taste. Uh, what would you think that we would smell? What what kind of aromas do you expect out of something this color? And then while I'm describing it, you can you can take it take a gander and read and tell me if it's hitting the mark. 
because on the aroma, again, leading with the ingredients of Vienna malt, maybe complemented by Pilsner or Munich malt, you're going to get in the aroma the centric nature of moderate intense malt aroma. You're getting that toasty, malty, rich accents, which is where the style guidelines want us to land. You're also getting potentially, if it's fresh, you know, those European continental hops give you floral, spicy, minty, almost oregano, low, low, or none, um, but they are allowable. And then when, when the style guidelines say clean lager character, what that means is a not big emphasis in your aroma or flavor from the yeast. You're getting clean lager, not a lot of sulfitic notes, meaning sulfur, not a, um, a lot of uh, eggy notes or, or anything too yeasty. It's clean lager character, which really means it's in the background, that lager yeast. And if you get caramel, biscuity, or roasted aroma, that's inappropriate. It's really all about the toasty malt aroma and then low level, if any, floral spicy hops. Right? I mean, yeah. that's it. And then take us yeah. to the flavor because that all falls yeah. right into it. Well, I could say, uh, you know, ditto that, uh, you know, the flavor really follows the aroma. It is a malt forward beer, but it is in balance. It's not, uh, it's not overly sweet. It's definitely not cloying, but what you can expect just from the process and the ingredients itself, uh, again, I love this word, especially when it comes to kind of Germanic style beers, it's, it's an elegant, rich multi flavor, but an emphasis on a, just a little bit of toastiness. Um, it's almost like a graham cracker that we've kind of, kind of let roast in the oven, maybe just a touch longer than the rest. That's kind of what I think about. Um, but you, you mentioned it in the, in the aroma, it should not be caramelly. It should not be, um, overly, um, sweetened. It, it shouldn't taste like, you know, golden graham cereal or anything like that. It, it is in balance. Uh, the flavor of this, the, the, the hot bitterness uh, is uh, is in balance. It is kind of a like a medium, uh, moderate, but uh, maybe moderately low, uh, being a, a malt forward style. But again, you're using those the flavors of the noble hops, the kind of like spicy, floral, um, uh, kind of herbal type of notes. But it's not very spicy. They're they're not typically using the sots that give it that black pepper spice. Uh, I wouldn't expect that. Um, but they, it had does have uh, it can be a little bit of a dry finish. Uh, the for me uh, the malt always kind of lingers on just a little bit, but it cleans off really well. Um, and again, we're talking about a lager, and so the 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 fermentation of this uh, is just really clean. There's no esters, there's no phenols, there's no anything uh, to surprise you. This is just a clean, easy, easy drinking beer. Uh, but that that's typically what I would taste. Let's talk about the mouthfeel. Yeah, mouthfeel, pretty straightforward. Also, to reminder, we're talking about Vienna Lager, part of the Amber Bitter European category in Beer Judge Certification Program Guidelines. And so our mouthfeel of Vienna Lager is medium light to medium body. It isn't going to be very big. It's in that middle range and frankly, uh, a sweet spot of where most beer styles fall for weight on the tongue or the palate. And yet we get a gentle creaminess, the style guidelines note, that creaminess will come from some of the carbonation. Um, it's a moderate carbonation, not overly aggressive, um, but yet not you know, under carbonated or, or less carbonated, like maybe a cast conditioned ale from England might be. So moderate carbonation and smooth. It shouldn't be harsh, it shouldn't be astringent. 
um, that astringent or tannic nature that can come from malt, come from hops, come from barrel aging, that's really pretty um, devoid in a Vienna lager. And with the you know the mouthfeel, what other types of styles are close to this? Because I truly argue that this really did, even though it's not as prevalent today, inspire so many other styles. Yeah, uh, this we could compare this to anything amber, um, but you know, to kind of stick it with the amber lagers that you'd expect. The the closest relative to this would be a Merzen, and we've talked about Merzen in a different style cast, but. Uh, but this will tend to be uh, lighter in intensity, lighter in alcohol, lighter in body than a Merzen. But this will have just a little bit more hop bitterness in the balance. A Merzen is a little bit more of a malt-driven style than even this is. Um, but again, this will be a little bit lower in alcohol. Uh, we'll talk about those numbers in a minute. Um, but we could also compare this to uh, a Czech amber lager. Uh, this is, uh, even though it is going to be rich and malty, the, the Czech amber lagers tend to be even more rich and even 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 maltier. Um, uh, but those would be probably its closest relatives. Um, when we start talking about uh, amber ales, now we start having conversations about the yeast and different ingredients and flavor profiles. So it's not as as good of a conversation that we need to keep this in the the multi lager realm when we talk about that. And Jeremy, I have a quick quick story for you, real quick. I you're make, helping me flash back to one of the times of several that I sat for Master Cicerone, and we were served blind a barrel aged Vienna lager. Now I do not want to confuse anyone if we're calibrating to the style guidelines. This style Vienna lager has nothing to do with barrel aging, but you can do anything to any beer and any style. And I second guessed myself. I was the only one in my head, maybe others had it but didn't admit it, to saying that it was a Vienna lager on paper. And then I changed it to Meritzen. And then there was the reveal at the end when you test, they do reveal because it's, it's, a ter it's a teaching and learning moment. And I really, I was just like, oh my gosh, I should have remembered. It's drier than a Meritzen. It's a little bit more bitter. And I knew it. I knew it in my heart of hearts, but I just talked myself out of it. And and that just goes to show that some of these styles and the style differentiation can be minuscule. And that's the hard part, but uh, it is significant enough to create that differentiation. Uh, but just know this sits in that same realm as Merton and uh, Czech Amber. Um, but but we mentioned before that we're not likely to see Austrian versions of this uh, as much, if at all, anymore. But what what styles or what commercial examples would we see uh, out of this beer if we're looking for them? And it's fascinating because when you look up commercial examples in the Beer Judge Certification Program guidelines from 2021, it's not surprising to me that three, um, if not four of the breweries mentioned, aren't even from Vienna. Uh, you've got, you know, Chuckanut Vienna Lager and anything from Chuckanut out of Bellingham, Washington is German, true and true. Uh, Will and Mari Kemper are, are true uh, pioneers within the U.S. craft beer movement. And they showcase again and again, still con continuing to win Great American Beer Festival and World Beer Cup Awards for their German style beers. And Vienna noting, you know, an odd to uh, the German style beers, Chuckanut makes one. So Vienna Lager from Chuckanut is a commercial example that they list as a classic. Devil's Backbone Vienna Lager has been around forever. And if you can get that, it is definitely one that is a showcase of the example 
that you want to try. Figura Mountain Red Lager out of California, Heavy Seas out of Maryland, um, cut at Cutlass. And then you finally get to, you know, um, one Vienna uh, that might even be from the region um, that uh, and, and then they bring us back to Shell's Brewery of the Northeast for their fire brick. Um, their center Vienna, um, I have not had, not been fortunate enough to have. Um, and so we've got a few there that are really carrying the day, not even from the country of origin, which I think is absolutely fascinating. And so when we talk about commercial examples or the ingredients or the history or the style, it's really ground yourself in beer studies and what a Vienna lager might be. You want to know the ranges of the statistics. So Jeremy, tell us about the vital statistics tied to Vienna lager. Perfect. Well, let's talk about, uh, I'm just going to go straight to the ABV. Um, I've noticed what, you know, in my studies, a lot of the German styles kind of, kind of occupy a certain range with some variation uh, here and there, and, and, and but they all kind of have stack up with a, a definite similarity to them. This one uh, it kind of follows that same pattern. The ABV for this one is uh, 4.7 to 5.5. So we're really, let's say four and a half to five and a half. Um, and, and it kind of, if you look at all the Germanic styles, all, all the base ones, they pretty much follow that uh, pretty, pretty closely. Like I said, a few of them will kind of veer off, but they're not far off. Uh, the IBUs, again, kind of stacks up with a lot of the German styles, 18 to 30 IBUs. Um, and if you had to take a stab at most of the German beers, I, I would stab at 20 to 30, and, and you'll be right more often than not. But this is where this gets a little bit interesting. The SRM is from the 9 to 15 range. So we're getting to like deep golden, light amber, all the way to copper sits right about uh, 15 SRM. And, and, this, and this kind of hits right in that range. When we talk about original gravity, uh, again, this is not the most important statistic, but it's just good, good to know. We're at uh, 1048 to 1055. To me, that just lets me know uh, about what uh, ABV it's going to be. More importantly, in my mind, is that final gravity, 1010 to 1014. It's going to have a little bit of body, not a lot, but just enough to be able to tell the difference. Uh, and and uh, and that's, excuse me, that's when, uh, when we talk about those stats, that's where you don't have to memorize all the stats unless you're studying for a test, but they do tell a story. They do give you clues uh, to kind of put this all together. But now that it's all put together, let's figure out what uh, we should put it together in and this is this is my vote of where i've gone but uh but julia you're up what, what would you put this in um probably a similar half liter whole liter stein or a fluted glass might be fine that's kind of got a, a foot and then it flares out um this beer being not too aggressive doesn't require any specific nuance for that bump of aroma uh, so yeah, either one of those glasses work for me. And then I, I like to have a Vienna lager at 38 degrees Fahrenheit. I also like the idea of having it just a touch warmer to get an essence of that advanced malt note. So in the low 40s as well. Yeah, I agree. And and of course, for those of you listening, I'm holding up a half liter Stein. Um, you know, Willie Becker works just great. Uh, frankly, I, I think in what we're going to talk about next is food pairing. Frankly, I don't really care too much about what my Vienna lager is in, as long as it's next to some barbacoa tacos. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, you start the bidding there and, uh, you know, you always bring up tacos for sure, especially when we're in these, when these, with these more approachable ABV alcohol, uh, medium to low alcohol beers, 
Uh, I think um, anything with that corn tortilla, anything that it brings me to nachos even, with that essence of some heated element to that breading or um, starch, right? Because what is Vienna lager anyway? If it's predominantly Vienna and Munich malt, what you've got is low kilned level, low heated malt, that Pilsner malt, which could be a base malt for Vienna lager, that's been exposed to much lower temperatures um, when you are converting your barley to malt. And then as you up the temperature, you're getting those medium kilned level flavors and malts like Vienna and Munich. And so I go to what has been lightly breaded or forgive me, lightly um, baked, lightly heated, lightly grilled. I don't want too much because then I'm looking for synergies with really things that have been uh, higher temperature influenced, uh, like something that's charred right? Something that's a little bit more um, uh, burnt or seared. So I'm going with grilled meats and vegetables. I'm sticking with my nachos, mild cheeses. And then Alma Biscotti is something that we have on craftbeer.com that I think is a fabulous suggestion where you can get Vienna lager has that toasty, as we talked about, bread note, not too biscuity, not too caramely, but think toasty bread note. And now think almond Biscotti. And I think you've got a lot of synergy there. Yeah. And, and I have to, do have to say, this is one of my favorite beers to pair with something a little bit spicy. And so I, I, I tend to go toward tacos anyway. I mean, honestly, who doesn't, but this, especially this beer, the Vienna lager especially goes well with tacos, but anything spicy, like a, a medium curry or like a Thai drunken chicken, or even, uh, even some really good uh, seafood, some like steaky type of fish, like a swordfish or shark or, or, uh, or some, um, or uh, some blackened salmon or something like that, that would really bring out this sweetness and, and really kind of synergize well, I think. Um, I think that's where I'd go with this. Yeah, it's a great food pairing beer, great beer that will take you to many places, hard beer to find, um, encourage the breweries that do brew it by trying it and buying it, um, and then branch out to the other, brew it yourself, Hex, Hells yeah, totally. Um, and I've got a Vienna lager, um, frankly, and then a Marzen, and I want to compare by brewing the two, um, how different they are from my home brewery. So great point there for sure. Yeah. But uh, that's, that's kind of what we have to say about Vienna lager. Good luck and find one and drink it and enjoy it and pair something delicious and spicy with it. That's, that's all I have to say about that. Cheers to you all. Cheers. Thank you for listening to Essence of Beer Style, the essential beer style training for those who want to lead in food and beverage. With advanced Cicerones, me, Julia, and me, Jeremy. Tune into the next episode as we continue exploring the world of beer styles and what to make of them. We encourage you to listen to the prepisodes to build your foundation and better understand beer styles. And before the next episode, I'd like to ask you to review the show and let us know what you'd like featured in upcoming episodes. Until next time, here's to you and your sense of beer style. Thank you for listening. Cheers. Cheers.